This is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. Welcome. This is a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed. And this week there is a lot to talk about how the way that movies are reviewed. I am your co-host Chris. With me is... Your other co-host, Jenna. Um, yeah, I did just realize having you do the intro on this episode might seem a little odd. Yes, <laughs> no, I, the, the irony is completely not lost on me. No, because we were trying to figure out, because we try to alternate back and forth, and then so I was like, oh, it's Chris's turn, and then I'm like, as you were doing it, I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> this might not be the episode that Chris should do. <laughs> but we are here, we're here to talk about things. So earlier this week, there was a report in Variety about a study that was done that shows that the vast majority of movie critics are white men. I know, you're probably so shocked, probably just audibly gasped <laughs> listening to me say that. But yeah, so that report has gotten a lot of traction and a lot of attention, and we can, we'll can we kind of dive into the specifics of it all, but yeah, that's kind of been the main film discourse of the week. So there's a lot to say about it. With all of this coming out now, this whole report, it kind of makes me wish that from the beginning of this podcast, we kind of kept track of the critics that we used and kind of <laughs> broke down uh, male versus female and other demographics. I um, could go back and do that since we yeah, have like, a, like if we have some kind of spreadsheet. Yeah, since we have links to all of them, that might be what I do tomorrow on my day yeah. off. Like, go through and track all of that and kind of figure it out. And then, because we, we do need to do better, we've admitted to as much. And, like, w you've seen on some of our bigger episodes when it's tent pull stuff like The Last Jedi or, or Solo or stuff like that. We kind of go out of our way. Or Black Panther. Like, we go out of our way to not find white male voices. We want to find reviews that actually have something to say and that aren't just adding to the noise. Which I will say that for, if this is your first episode, we get our reviews through Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, we don't mm -hmm. just Google Black Panther reviews. We, the whole, the whole conceit of this podcast is to kind of use Rotten Tomatoes as problematic a framework yeah. <laughs> as our framework to kind of show like if you were a person who was going to Rotten Tomatoes for a specific movie and you were just sticking to your research within Rotten Tomatoes, what kind of opinions you would get and what kind of opinions you wouldn't get. Because if Rotten Tomatoes is this review aggregator, it should be wholly representative of all critics, not a segment of them. Yes. And, and overwhelmingly, we continually find that the large... These critics are white guys. Yes. Very white, very male. They and part of it is also, I've ranted about this before, but if you go to a if you go to like a critics page for a movie, more often than not, the white guys are the ones who actually have profile pictures uploaded and then the women and especially women of color and other people of color, it's hard to tell because there isn't like a default image. So well, then, which I'm now realizing which We'll touch on this later. There's uh, Brie Larson was yeah. at a Women in Film conference, and she mentioned freelancers. And I think that's part of it, too, is a lot of these white male reviewers are staffed. Yeah. They're, they're staffed on these outlets, these newspapers, whereas these uh, women and women of color are not staffed. They're freelancers. 
Which um, is, okay, that's like a wide scoping thing. That's not necessarily true in every instance, but no. but it is kind of it's. And I've I've talked about this before. I think on the Black Panther episode. But when you're going through a critic's page and you see the only pictures that you really see are predominantly white people, you're going to kind of assume more often than not that the people who don't have an icon and just have the default little like Facebook gray face thing are also going to be white people. So it kind of it messes with your like perception of exactly. what you're seeing, and you're kind of, it's kind of dominating the conversation in a way that you're not necessarily wanting it to, or that average people going on Rotten Tomatoes aren't realizing. And then, and then through all of this, we're not invalidating white guy okay. reviews, but it's <laughs> they shouldn't be the predominant voice and only voice. We don't, okay, but also... <laughs> but also, some of them are stupid, and they should go away. <laughs> but, yeah, so looking at the Variety Report, it says, this was by the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, it says that white critics wrote 82% of the reviews of the top 100 grossing films of last year, while critics from underrepresented racial and ethnic backgrounds penned a mere 18% of the reviews of those movies. The study notes that this does not reflect the representation of these ethnic and racial groups in society. U.S. Census data finds that individuals from these groups comprise nearly 39% of the population. Just over 20% of the reviews were evaluated, or that were evaluated were written by women. Nearly 78% of the criticism came from men. That comes out to a ratio of 3.5 male critics for every female reviewer. So those numbers seem a little offset from each other, you know? <laughs> it's not like women are half the population. And no, and let's not get into the fact that those, uh, those few women critics are probably being paid less than their male yeah. counterparts, but, that's, you know, that's a whole that's other true. basket. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah, it, I mean, it, every industry kind of has to deal with this to an extent of realizing yeah. that you're, that the demographics within your industry don't affect or don't reflect the actual population that you're serving. And I think this could hopefully be if Rotten Tomatoes and if the film criticism industry as a whole kind of gets their shit together, they could kind of realize that this needs to inspire a change. Yeah. And and then going back to the, the Brie Larson thing, which I will just retweet uh, after we record, um, she talks about gatekeeping. Yes. Um, and press credentials and... And how, how there is gatekeeping and certain voices are let in to view movies, have access to movies to review, and, and, and that needs to change. I don't know how. I'm not in that industry. Yeah, but there needs to be kind of a shift. Because, yeah. like, yeah, what she says is, I, and I love this particular example, it says, I do not need a 70-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work for him about A Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what it meant to women of color, to biracial women, to teen women of color, and to teens who are biracial. Exactly. And, like, I was just even looking, going back to Black Panther, since I remember we talked about this a lot, and I can very easily access the Rotten Tomatoes page. Most of the, like, critic reviews that show up on the Splash page are white men or people with icons where you can't really tell one way or the other. Or, or just the default icons to where it's not easy to tell. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's on a movie where you, you justifiably should not have sent a white person... <laughs> 
to review this movie. They don't get it, the significance of it all. It's not made for them. Yes, Black Panther ended up resonating with a lot of people, but... But not in the same way for others. Yeah, it's kind of... It's just weird. I'm trying to think of what else. Well, there there was... um, This is semi-relevant, too, but I I wish I saved the tweets. Um, But it was basically about... um, Sensate on Netflix. Mm-hmm. They recently released the, their two-hour wrap-up movie, mm-hmm. and I forget the outlet. But the critic had confessed to only seeing two episodes previously and not enjoying it, and they were tasked with reviewing the two-hour wrap-up movie for this <sighs> multi-season show. And 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 that's counterproductive. Why would you assign someone? Uh, to review something that they have no familiarity with and no interest in already. Okay, well, so... so it's the same thing with movies. Why would you assign someone a movie you know they're going to go in negatively or have no interest in seeing? Well, I'm just... Yeah, that, that like what you did say just flashed me back to that one Infinity War review, that one really bad one that we didn't even cover on the podcast, but it was basically like, how, how dare these movies assume that you have seen the last 19 movies before them? That's so awful. Gosh, blah, 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 blah. Like, it was the whole stupid, like, I don't get this, and I don't like it, and I won't respond to it kind of thing. Exactly. But but also, so, I mean, like, there's, I I understand both extents of the argument that you just gave, because to an extent, like, as someone who reviews comics every single week, I sometimes am assigned comics for things that I have not really kept up with before or things that I only have like a passive knowledge of like I I almost every week have to read some sort of comic about Adventure Time which is a show that I have not watched any of but I read all of the comics for and review them and I think the argument there is that I that a person can kind of give a perspective of how well this thing works as a comic and whether or not it can kind of get new viewers or new readers or whatever into it. So I can understand that to an extent if you're with TV, but also at the same time, you're missing the point if you're doing that with the, with, with Sense8 in particular, which is kind of not a show for everybody. For viewer went in negatively and they openly said in, in the review that they had only seen a couple and they didn't care. And they were going into this, like basically why am I, it was more of the tone too that it was very negative and it's like i don't know why i'm watching this but i was assigned it so i guess i gotta do it anyways yeah and like even if if i'm reading a comic that is for something i'm not familiar with i'd never go in with that mindset i'm just kind of like i want to treat this as a thing as it is and then try to see the positives in it regardless of whatever they might be and like i think that's also part of the reviewer mentality is if you go in knowing that you're going to hate a thing and then you're expected to kind of be a certain outlet's like end all be all um, take on that movie. You're not going to really. You're making a very opinionated review. You're not really judging the movie on all of the different categories. Okay, so it was it was the Guardian. Okay. Uh, so. I, I don't. I keep harping on it, but so the quote from the article was: "I wasn't up to speed with Sensate. I had only seen two episodes before. I didn't want to watch more, probably for the same reasons that not enough people wanted to watch, and for those, 
and those reasons are on the show big time in the finale. So I just don't get it. And 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 that's the thing you see in film too, like you were saying with the Avengers. And uh, film okay. criticism is <laughs> oh, it's just I don't understand it. Um, what other part of this did we want to hit next? Because there's there's a lot to break down. So let's pause right here. You can edit out this part of the audio. I have to DM you a thing. I just DM'd it to you too. Black Manta. Yep. Okay. <laughs> let's just keep this, let's just keep this in then because like <laughs> that helmet though i'm so happy i was scrolling through twitter looking for more stuff and then i was like i scrolled down and then i had to scroll back up but whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> well i i had just seen like the article link to it like the spoiler protected one and then i clicked on it and lost my shit very silently while you just went on this whole tangent and then i'm like oh my god that's why i was kind of like fizzling out at the end because i was like wait 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 we should just keep this all in why not yeah why <laughs> like, not listen in for bonus commentary it'll be easier for editing later Oh, um, yeah, everybody, Aquaman stuff is finally coming out. By the time you listen to this, there might be a trailer, which is amazing. So, But yeah. also, we can use this as, um, as, a, as, as a segue. I, yes. Um, you can tell that Warner Brothers is preemptively trying to do damage and critic control. <laughs> uh, there was the piece earlier this week. I, my brain is not working this week. The outlet, it was, they specifically said it's brighter, it's funnier. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and those are granted quotes from producers on the movie, but they're already trying to get ahead of this and, and, and set the tone of the narrative for the movie. Well, and also, this can kind of segue into another thing almost to an extent. <sighs> There's such a weird culture right now on the internet and a weird kind of atmosphere where neckbeards believe that they hold more power than they actually do, where in any fandom, in any outlet, with any big franchise that's coming out, they think that their opinion and their general consensus means more than anything else and is the most reflective thing and that anything else of like positive box office numbers or other positive reviews from not white men or whatever they think that that's just invalid or part of the social yeah. justice warrior agenda or whatever because like look at oceans eight as an example that was a film that was Certified fresh on Rotten or no, it's not certified yet, but it's still it, it debuted pretty well on Rotten Tomatoes and is still fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and a lot and it made a lot of money at the box office. It made more than, more than, than the any of the other ones ever made. Which so, is just, oh, I'm no, just I'm getting just a weird it. echo on your end. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, I'm just gonna continue. Can you still echo? <laughs> Do you still hear it? No. Okay, but. People, like, there, there's a couple of think pieces, and I, I know I favorited them, and I'll try to retweet them from the account, yeah. but they're basically like, people need to stop acting like female audiences are this kind of token audience that you need to try to grab, because, like, female audiences will see female-led movies. People of color will see movies that are starring people of color. Like, that's, it's not some secret thing that you have to tap into. If you yeah. reflect representation on the screen, people will go see it. And yet, If you build it, they will come. 
Exactly. And yet there's still kind of the neckbeard mentality. And I feel like to an extent, Rotten Tomatoes sort of validates it by having it be where when you go on a page for a movie, you find more white guys than anything else. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. It, and I think part of it with um, Ocean's 8, I personally didn't see a lot of discourse of, it's like, oh, they're ruining it by making it an all-female reboot. And I saw that when, it, when they first announced it. I haven't really seen it. I don't know, just because I haven't been on the internet much, or I think part of it it's not so entrenched in nerd culture. It's not a big nerd franchise. Yeah. So neckbeards aren't invested in this uh, like they are something like Ghostbusters. They they think they have ownership to it, and even Ghostbusters is a really good example because it's like, okay, the, the Ghostbusters reboot is not climbing into your house and destroying your Ghostbusters VHS tape with a hammer. Like, and it's not like 90% of the neckbeards that supposedly gave a shit actively really gave a shit about the original Ghostbusters. It's just kind of, this film was, the original film was dominantly made for me, and how dare it be made for something else now. Yeah, exactly. Um, They pretend as if Ghostbusters 3 was ever going to be made. Yeah. It kind of came close a couple times, but it certainly wasn't going to happen this time. It, Sorry. Yeah. It's just, like like I kind of said, people, not white audiences are are interested in seeing themselves represented on screen. And if there's positive represent, representation for it, and if that's reflected in the reviews to an extent, people will come. And even exactly. if not, even if there's a movie that is getting like Ghostbusters was a good example because it didn't necessarily get like the best Rotten Tomato score, but it made enough money. It didn't necessarily break even, I think, but it still was, it still did good at the box office and people still saw it regardless of kind of the Rotten Tomatoes perspective. And I think part of that was, was because you kind of assume, oh, white men are going to review this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly. Yeah. And and, then I'd be curious to see if, if the critic pool was more diverse and representative, how these numbers were changed on it, like the tomato meter or Metacritic or whatever. Yeah. Because like it kind of, the tomato meter almost becomes to an extent, what do a bunch of old white men think of this movie? Like how, how well do they rate it on a scale of one to a hundred? Like that's it's, kind it's of, a, yeah. It's, it's almost like we need to um, adapt the, Oscar so white hashtag to tomato so white. Yeah, rotten tomato so white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like it, and I like I know there are, and it is, it is a bit of gatekeeping though, because for every critic that is on Rotten Tomatoes that is not a white male, there are at least a dozen more who could be on that list but aren't because of the weird gatekeeping that Rotten Tomatoes does, and the fact that they'd rather let some weird blog spot that has been going on since the 90s, the fact that they'd give that equal footing to a, a major outlet and and all of that kind of skews it even more. Exactly. I'm going to... So we were in a Twitter conversation earlier this week on the Tomato account, and uh, a reply from N.M. Patterson uh, at Hip Cinema uh, said, if you were to ask for women of color that are 
that are non-traditional critics like myself, we would be happy to participate. Women of color who are indie filmmakers, poets, educators, producers, scientists, documentary filmmakers, activists, etc., would make great critics. Yes. And that's it. There's all these diverse voices that are not being included. Um, but so that I'll, there is a website, uh, Women in Hollywood, that has a list of critics. Um, which we were now made aware of this week um, by uh, Melissa uh, Silverstein. Thank you for the heads up for your yeah. list. Well, and part of it is like, we, we do know that there are all of these critics out there that we might not necessarily instantly see their reviews for, but part of that is, is kind of because we've relied on and kind of shown how Rotten Tomatoes infrastructure sort of works, we sometimes miss these reviews that are, that probably have super interesting things to say and are, have a way more different and unique take on a movie than any other white guy review on Rotten Tomatoes. But it is, we're kind of just kind of trying to illustrate that those reviews aren't accessible on Rotten Tomatoes and that if you're an average person, who wants to go see a movie and you maybe click the Rotten Tomatoes page, you're just going to use that and then move on with your life. Yes, and, and, and another outlet on Twitter is uh, at Female Critics. Yes. Um, another source if you're looking for other diverse voices, uh, go follow them. Um, we were told to follow them by uh, Laura Thompson. Thank yeah. you for that. I, I, yeah, I, they, I, they are a delight to follow. I like genuinely enjoy the tweets that are on there because they're kind of, they're a very unique perspective yes. on all of the film discourse and stuff. And it is super nice to see them retweet like reviews from outlets that are about a new movie that's coming out. And, and I'll just have, I'll just open invitation to anyone associated with these outlets. If you want to come on this podcast, Slide Arts, yeah. Coming into our DMs, DMS. Yeah, because that would be really great, and we we always are up for kind of celebrating these different opinions and kind of illustrating why all the white guy reviews are kind of pointless on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep, they're all the same. I mean, they're not okay. I quote, <laughs> Some of them. To quote Brie Larson, "I do not hate white men, <laughs> but." <laughs> I just, I, okay, I, I do have to say, I really do admire her for going on that whole rant and for saying that and having that be a thing that's picked up now, especially now, especially with Captain Marvel currently being in, in production and with so much kind of around that and whatever. I do love the fact that since that's a Marvel movie and you're going to have the neckbeards and you're going to have the white male critics as part of that, I do like that she's already kind of speaking out yeah. about it before I'm, the comes out i'm curious to see how critics will take this now that we are in a post wonder woman world yes and a post um, black panther yeah yeah it has the benefit of being a marvel movie so undoubtedly uh people will love it but this is the first female-led marvel movie um i'm curious to see it, i hate that it's already going to have comparisons to wonder woman yes and solely on the basis of these are two female-led superhero movies. Let's compare these two. It's like, just review it on its own merits. I feel yeah. like don't yeah. compare. Because we don't compare, um, oh, let's compare Ant-Man to uh, The Flash or whatever. It's bad example, but still. <laughs> I mean, it... 
there there still is that comparison to an extent but to not, a very small extent but yeah. it's in a different way it's kind of it, it's kind of the the thing of like does this meet the quota sort of and not really i don't know like i do like that there's now enough there that there are a growing number of kind of female-led superhero movies and stuff and that there could possibly be more depending on if sony and marvel studios and warner brothers all get their shit together um but and, and, and even, even yeah even not in the sense of behind the camera with patty jenkins um kathy i'm blanking on her name for Bridget Prey. kathy yeah um and there's at least <laughs> Two others that I'm blanking on. For what movies? Uh, well, uh, Captain Marvel's being co-directed. Yes, by a, by a woman. And then Silver and Black, if that ever happens. If that yeah. means it might not, but I kind of wanted it to. That was the only movie that made me give a shit about Sony doing its own thing. <laughs> and now it might not happen. And yet we still have to deal with Venom. So, yep. But, yeah, I mean, like, Kathy Ann is going to... Like they they've said, and Margot Robbie has said that like they want an all female crew or like as much of a female crew as possible, and like that is amazing to me. Which uh, I feel uh, was it isn't Black Widow slated to get a female director? It it has a female writer, and they've met writer. like they've met with sixty something directors, including like every every name that they've mentioned has been female. I I think they will give it to a female director because they kind of know they'll get so much shit if they don't. Yeah, but I I have no idea in terms of the ratio of who is and isn't in that thing. I would assume most of them are women. Hopefully, yeah, and I think that's it's I'll. Uh... Oh, token the the Wonder Woman effect. It is. Don't mind it at all, though. Like that's a very good effect because it. I mean, I mean, granted, granted, Wonder Woman, the first one was uh, predominantly written by guys, Alan yeah. Heinberg, um, Johns, and Patty. I think. Yeah. Was involved too. Well, and I think it's still kind of the same with the sequel, and so there could still be some sort of improvement there, but yeah. you kind of take what you can get, and like DC is already putting us like striving to be better by having um christina hodson on birds of prey and on batgirl and who is just coming off of writing bumblebee, bumblebee which might be my favorite movie <laughs> depending i don't know um yeah it like there there is this movement and there's obviously still a long ways to go both behind the camera and in front of the camera and talking about the film after the fact but i'm i'm kind of i this probably won't amount to a whole lot, but I, I do hope that kind of all of the discourse of this week kind of does lead to change, even if it occurs like over a long period of time. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a change that's not going to happen overnight. I mean, how the Oscars are just starting to catch up to the Oscar not white thing. Yeah. Um, it's a slow process. Yeah, but it, um, it, it, it'll gradually get there, yeah. hopefully. So, yeah, it's just this this discourse has been so interesting, like all of the stuff of the past week. I'm kind of like, thank you. <laughs> like, we've, all, we've been talking about this for a year. I feel and, vindicated. Like, we're not crazy. We weren't the only ones talking about it. Exactly. So, yeah. I, anything more to add? Um, yeah, just open invite. If If you have any other outlets for diverse critic voices or anyone that we should follow or be aware of let us know 
because um, we would love to have that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, you can find our show at Tomato Tomato Pod on Twitter. We also have a Gmail account, tomato tomato pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us that way with more information, you absolutely can. Um, we also have a Facebook, but Facebook sucks. So <laughs> it's up to you whether or not you want to like that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sJennaLynn. There you can find my articles for comic book and sometimes comic reviews. Like I reviewed Nancy Drew last week. So if you want female voices in the comic industry as well, <laughs> go there. So Yeah. Um, plug yourself. Plug myself. I, I really don't have anything to plug. Oh, plug your Twitter. <laughs> oh, my Twitter. Yeah, that. Um, at the Chris Vitto. Um, follow me there. And then, yeah, we said tomato, tomato pod. Yes, we uh, you can, I know. Uh, I said it out of order, and now you're confused. <laughs> I'm very easily thrown off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, follow the tomato account, and you can vote in all the stupid polls that I run every so often. Yes. We will try to do an actual episode with a proper movie next week. I know we've kind of done Harvest, and we've done, um, like, big blockbuster releases and stuff. But I but do kind of... I do we, kind of, like want to get back to our normal format in one way or the other. And we will soon. We just have a lot going on right now. Yes, we do. But it'll make it much easier to record. Trust yes. us. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, so we we will hopefully do, if not a proper episode, some sort of tomato harvest again next week. If the yeah. film criticism world blows up again, <laughs> but otherwise we'll be back with some sort of normal episode. Yeah, I'm gonna try to see Incredibles. To this weekend. Nice. I'm going um, to see Ocean's then, 8 I, and then possibly see Solo again. Yeah, I need uh, to see that again. Maybe I'll do a Twitter live thing okay. with my uh, incredible two thoughts. Nice. Yeah, my, my mom and my sister have seen it and I have not. So, <laughs> I but I've heard good things. So. It's going to be hot here this weekend, so it'll be nice to escape to a cool theater. Says the person who's not living in 100 degree weather, but okay. <laughs> Comparatively, you know. Comparatively. I don't, I don't live under the devil's anus. No, you do not. <laughs> but, yeah. So, subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you listen to. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, all of that business. So, yeah. We will be back next week with something. So, until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Uh.